Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon from Oak Hill Church in Humboldt, Iowa. We pray that it helps you to know Christ, grow in Christ, and sow Christ wherever you are. For more information about who we are and what we're doing, go to oakhillhumboldt.org. If you've got a Bible this morning, I invite you to turn to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. If you're kind of new to the Bible, the Psalms are in the middle of your Bible. And if you don't have one with you this morning, that's okay. The words will be up there on the screen in back of me. Today we begin a new series, a four-week series on gratitude. And let me just share with you personally how excited I am uh, for this series. I need this series I need to be reminded of all of what I have to be grateful for. So often is the case, especially in our culture today, uh, we are prone to negativity. And when we look at what God has done for us in Jesus, we have reason to be thankful. And so I'm glad you're with us on the journey uh, this month together. I'm looking forward to what God's Spirit is going to do in your heart and mine as we look at this theme of gratitude. Now, before we get going, I want to draw your attention uh, to these uh, gratitude journals. So go ahead and take that out. If you don't have one on the way, you should have uh, received one as you came into the service. If you need one, just raise your hand. We have more here at the back. I want to just uh, make mention of how we're going to use this as a tool as we make our way through uh, the month of November. And so as you open up, you'll see that on this first page here, is uh, a place for you to begin taking some notes, just jotting down some notes uh, this Sunday. And then, as you flip the page, you'll see that there are kind of devotions for you. We've just uh, supplied for you just uh, little thoughts and uh, little ways where you can uh, meditate this week. Um, After you've heard the message, just some ways you can apply that. Uh, You can take that as a devotional and just uh, really get your heart around this theme of gratitude throughout this month. And so we pray that will be a useful tool for you as we make our way through this theme. And as you can see, we're starting at the end of the psalm today, uh, the last four verses of Psalm 103. And I think that will become clear as we uh, begin and make our way through this message. But first, if, if we're honest, I think it's been easier for us to complain and harder for us to be grateful as we've considered this year that we've had. I mean, our default has been uh, to complain. I saw this on social media a couple weeks ago, kind of sums up my year. I don't know if you can uh, relate to this. And then the next slide. <laughs> I mean, it just came out of nowhere, right? We didn't see it coming. Uh, We weren't prepared for it. And from our perspective, our vantage point, our reality, this has been hard. This has been hard for us. And and not sure if you've heard, but there's an election coming up uh, this next week. Um, And it makes it even harder, right? Even harder. I mean, I I think it's been the the trifecta, all right, of medical, social, and political, uh, this pandemic has affected all these areas of our lives. The coronavirus, right, in all the different ways it's affected us. Uh, The election and all the social and political tension and division. It's been such a vulnerable moment right now in our culture. There's a lot of uncertainty, perhaps some anxiety, maybe some fear. Some of you, 
you have some real fears about this virus, and you may have family members right now who you're praying for who are more susceptible, and you're aware of this and how it's spreading, and, and there's real fears around that. Some of you are afraid about where our country is going. You're afraid about the, the future uh, of us as a nation. Let me just say those, those fears have a way of exposing what we value, for, for good or for bad. And so many of us here in this room, we're just wondering, is this world gonna collapse? I mean, are we at the end here? Is, the end, is this the end of the world as we know it? And I want us to just pause and say, I don't wanna minimize those, those fears, They're, those are real fears, and I know there's a lot at stake right now in our country, but our reality needs to give way to a much bigger and much deeper reality in this time. You see, despite the coronavirus, the election, and, and the social and political tension, we have reason to be grateful this morning. We have reason to be grateful, and here's why. The hope of this nation is not in who's sitting on his desk in the Oval Office come November 4th and beyond. The hope of this nation is who's sitting on his throne in heaven even as we speak. And so with that in mind, I want us to dig into Psalm 103, these last four verses. I wanna read them with you, verses 19 to 22. This is the word of God. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And so this is the reality, the much deeper reality our hearts need in this time. David is reminding us here in this psalm to shift our gaze away from our little perspective here on earth upwards to the king who reigns over all things. We don't look at this world and this election the same way the world does because they don't see reality the way it ought to be and for what it really is. They, they don't see the deeper reality of God's kingly rule over all. And so what I wanna do this morning is I want us to slow down and, and see the reality of verse 19 and to lift our gaze away from our little problems and our little reality to a sovereign king seated on his throne ruling over all. So let's just slow down and take this piece by piece, verse 19. Begins with the Lord, the Lord. In all caps, this is his personal name, Yahweh, Yahweh. When God wanted Moses to say, who has sent you? He said, I am who I am, I am Yahweh God, which means that he never has a beginning or end, he is eternal. He is absolute reality, dependent on no one. He is self-existing, everything depends upon him. He is constant. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He does whatever pleases him, which is always good and right. Therefore, he is the most important being in, in the entire universe. Let me just 
say a little parenthesis here, just a shout out to our Sunday school teachers. Uh, some of you who are here this morning, our teachers are teaching our young kids big truths about a big God. These little guys, these little ones are learning the character of our great God. I'm so, so thankful that we are in a church right now where we have teachers who are pouring into our kids, into our youth, this God-centered God. They need this as they grow in this culture to rely on Yahweh, the Lord. It says, the Lord has established his throne. His throne. It's a special seat reserved for a monarch. And in the scriptures, the throne represents God's authority, his sovereignty, his absolute control as king over all things. And notice it says here in the text, the Lord has established his throne. Established means that this throne, this authority, this sovereignty is fixed and firm. It is settled, immovable, and secure. Like our our king doesn't have a four-year term. He has been on his throne for eternity, and he will be. This throne is stable and secure. In Psalm 93, verses 1 and 2, in a parallel passage, it says, The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He is put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. And so we see here in this text that not only is his throne established from of old, it says the world is established. It shall never be moved. It's not going to collapse this next week. He's sustaining it by the word of his power. And so the Lord has established his throne in the heavens, in the heavens, far above us, far beyond us, Right Beyond our reach, no one can touch him. There's no higher place than his throne in heaven. Everything else and everyone else is underneath his feet. We cannot interfere with his rule. He is in the heavens. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. His kingdom rules over all. So this is his good rule and reign as king has no limits. He is ruler over all. All. That means everything. No limits to God's rule. He's sovereign over the whole world and everything that happens in it. That means he's never helpless, never surprised, never frustrated, never at a loss. He reigns over every nation, every people, every president, every politician. There is no one like our God. So verse 19, this reality, we got to get our hearts around. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. His kingdom rules over all. Now, sometimes we just need to stop and, and listen to God's voice and to, to shut out all the other competing voices of this culture. Some of us in this room, we have been more discipled by CNN, Fox News, and Facebook than we have been by the scriptures. And we wonder why we're so anxious inside. We need to settle our nerves to saturate our minds and stabilize our hearts by hearing from our sovereign God. And so I want you to just listen to God's voice as he speaks to you here in the scriptures about his sovereignty as king. 
As the sovereign king, he does all that he pleases and all that he plans. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. As sovereign king, he removes and he installs the rulers of this world and governs all their deeds in every age. Daniel 2, 20 to 21. Wisdom and might belong to me. I change times and seasons. I remove kings and set up kings. Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is a stream of water in my hand, says the Lord. I turn it wherever I will. As sovereign king, no plan of man can succeed without his wisdom and his permission. Psalm 33, verse 10, I bring the counsel of the nations to nothing. I frustrate the plans of the peoples. Proverbs 21.30, no wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against me. As sovereign king, no one can get in his way or thwart his holy plans. Job 42 verse 2, I can do all things. No purpose of mine can be thwarted. Isaiah 43 verse 13, I am he. There is none who can deliver from my hand. I work and who can turn it back? As sovereign king, his rule is forever. It is from everlasting to everlasting. Daniel 4, 34. My dominion is an everlasting dominion, and my kingdom endures from generation to generation. Daniel 7, verse 14. My dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and my kingdom shall not be destroyed. And listen, because of this, because he is Lord over all, we are nothing. This nation is nothing compared to his greatness. Isaiah 40, 15 and 17, behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. All the nations are as nothing before me. They are accounted as less than nothing and emptiness. Isaiah 40, 22 to 23, I sit above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. I stretch out the heavens like a curtain and spread them like a tent to dwell in. I bring princes to nothing and make the rulers of the earth as emptiness. And so this is the voice. This is the voice we must hear. This is the reality. This is the reality we need in a time like this. We have a king. We have a king who rules over all things. And so what is our response? What is the fitting response to this reality? Well, look at what it says here in Psalm 103, 20 to 22. The Lord has established, or bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. And so here we get a a peek into heaven. And the first thing we see is that nobody's uptight here. Nobody's agitated. Nobody's on edge and anxious. There is only joy. There is only exultation. 
And David, he's enthralled by this and he's encouraging. He is calling the angels to keep doing what they're doing. Bless the Lord, O you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his word. Now, what's that mean to bless the Lord? This repetition of this phrase means to praise and to worship, to respond to his kingly rule with joyful admiration and gratitude, to gratefully recognize that he alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. This is the only fitting response to his sovereignty as king. So notice he's saying, bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word. Now every Christmas season, we need to be reminded that angels aren't these cute little cherubs with diapers and wings, right? These angels are mighty warriors of light created by God to worship him and to praise him forever and ever. And we could say a lot about angels, but this text emphasizes three things. First, they are the Lord's angels. They are his angels. They were created by him and for him. And he is the one who sends them out as they assist him in his holy purposes. They are his. Secondly, they are strong. They are strong. They are mighty. They are far more powerful than any human being, which is why Every angel encounter in the Bible is met with fear. These angels are mighty warriors of light. And they're protecting and even executing God's judgment one day. Thirdly, they obey his voice. These angels are willing servants. They are joyfully doing his work and his will. And there are millions of them, right? Myriads and myriads of angels, armies of angels, standing at the ready to do his will. Verse 21 says, all his hosts. Bless the Lord, all his hosts. Now you remember in Malachi, the repetition of God's name as the Lord of hosts. The God of angel armies. So he's got this whole entourage of angels, right, at his disposal, And it's not like God needs bodyguards whatsoever, but he's got an entourage of angels. And if you can just imagine for a moment what it would be like to get a glimpse of these angels, these myriads of angels. Well, that happened one day in this little town of Bethlehem. You remember the Christmas story as these scruffy shepherds were just stunned when they saw the sight of all of those holy angels in the sky, these heavenly hosts praising God. In Luke chapter 2, we see Luke write, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so here we see that most pointedly what angels were created to do is to bring glory and praise to God to worship him as the king who rules over all. Glory to God in the highest. There is no one higher than this king, no one greater and no one more deserving of praise. But notice it's not just the angels who are summoned to bless the Lord. It's all of his creation. In verse 22, it says, all of his creation, bless the Lord, all his works and all places of his dominion. 
This is all encompassing. Nothing is left out here. Nothing is left untouched. All his works in all places. That's everywhere in the entire universe. From the furthest reaches of space to the to the heights of the tallest mountains, even to the bottom of the deepest ocean, all of creation is like a chorus of praise to our great God. A couple weeks ago, I was just kind of flipping through the channels. It was was a long day, and I was by myself, and so I I was watching TV, and there was nothing on until I stumbled upon planet Earth, and uh, I started watching it, and I was just enthralled and amazed at the beauty of God's creation. And as I was sitting there, I was thinking, man, I'm turning into my dad. Uh, <laughs> and I gave him a call. He's going to turn 80 at the end of November. My parents had us twins a little later on. I don't think it was a surprise, though. I don't know for sure. Anyhow, I called my dad, and uh, I talked to him. I said, Dad, I just want to thank you. Because back when I was a kid, back when we had like three or four channels on the TV, and your favorite one was Nature Channel, I was pretty annoyed with you. But now I'm really thankful that you had it on Nature Channel. And you took us on camping trips, and you helped us to see the beauty of God's creation. It's amazing when we consider that all of what God has made has been made to give him praise. In Psalm 148, the psalmist bursts out and says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. And this scripture says all of creation is made to praise him, and all of his works, everything under his dominion. He is sovereign and supreme over everything. And let me just kind of give you a sampling here by one pastor who said it this way. He is supreme, listen, in every admirable way over everything, over galaxies and endless reaches of space, over the earth from the top of Mount Everest to the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. He is supreme over all plants and animals from the peaceful blue whale to the microscopic killer viruses, over all weather and movements of the earth, hurricanes, tornadoes, monsoons, earthquakes, avalanches, floods, snow, rain, sleet. He is supreme and sovereign over all chemical processes that heal and destroy. Cancer, AIDS, malaria, flu, we 
could add COVID-19 and all the workings of antibiotics and a thousand healing medicines. He is supreme over all countries and all governments and all armies, over all nuclear threats from Iran or Russia or North Korea. He is supreme over all politics and elections, over all media and entertainment and sports and leisure, and over all education and universities and scholarship and science and research, and over all businesses and finance and industry and manufacturing and transportation, and over all the internet and information systems. As Abraham Kuyper once said, there is not one square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry out, mine. He is king. He is sovereign over all things, and we bow before him as Lord of lords and king of kings. Now, that's the response of all of creation. What's our response? What's our response? Well, David can't help but join in the chorus. In Psalm 103, verse 22, he cries out, bless the Lord, oh my soul, he says, oh my soul. So it's not just the angels, it's not just creation, but bless the Lord, oh my soul. Soul, you have reason to be grateful, he says. You have reason to praise him. Yes, we have even more reason to sing and to praise and to exalt in our great king, to join in the celebration and submit to him as the angels do. For listen, we've got a leg up on the angels. Did you know that? We've got a leg up on the angels. Scriptures say that angels long to look into these things. What things? The things of salvation, the things of redemption. They're excited about that. They get excited about that. How much more should we? Listen, if Jesus is Lord of your life, you are among the redeemed. You're forgiven, you're cleansed, and you are free this morning. And one day we will join the throng of angels and all peoples from every tongue, tribe, and nation to worship our great king, the one who rules over all. You might say, well, it doesn't appear as though he's king right now. I mean, I look at all the chaos around the world. Where is he? It doesn't seem like he's reigning on his throne. And the author of Hebrews said in Hebrews 2, verse 8, much the same thing. He said this, now in putting everything in subjection to him, that's Jesus, he left nothing outside his control. At present, right now, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. So it's true. This is an already not yet kingdom which is why we pray in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is that? We, we want to see and we want to be a part of what's happening now with the angels in heaven. They are perfectly praising their creator and God. And we want that to happen here on earth. And so as we close, I want to just ask this question. What's happening right now in heaven that we so desperately want to have happen here one day on earth. What song are the angels singing? We turn to the last book of the Bible in Revelation. We just sang about it today. In Revelation chapter four, verse eight, it says, in the four living creatures, listen, this is, this is a holy moment that we get to peer into what's happening even now in heaven and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. 
And day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You are separate. You are set apart. You are holy, 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 Lord. And you have always been and you always will be. They're ascribing to God his eternality as the holy, holy Lord. A few verses later, they cry out, Worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. He is worthy to receive glory. Why? He created all things. They are existing because of his will. That would be amazing enough to join in the chorus of these angels to sing about our creator God, our sovereign king over all things. He's eternal, he's in control, that would be enough. But that song gives way to another song, a new song that we will join in singing one day in Revelation chapter five, verse nine. It says, and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you. Now, who is this? There is a king on his throne and there is one standing next to him now. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tongue, tribe, language, and people and nation. A few verses down, all of creation now is joining in and saying, and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, can you imagine this? And under the earth, everything, right? Everything that's been created everywhere, all of them are saying the same thing to him who sits on the throne and to who? The lamb. The lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And so this song of creation gives way to a song of redemption. This new song that we sing forever in heaven. We're declaring that this lamb, this lamb is the one who is slain. And this lamb is victorious over death and sin and Satan. And he is seated and he reigns forever and ever and ever. This sevenfold tribute to his power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And eventually that's going to give way to every knee bowing before this king and declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So as we step back from that reality, and as we close here, in just a few days, we're going to vote. Some of you have already done so. Let's don't miss this moment. Let's don't miss this moment to remember what's most important. As Christians, how we respond to this election is crucial. It's crucial, it really is. And I want you to know that whatever happens, two things that you can take with you today. First, rulers come and rulers go, but the ruler is forever on his throne. Rulers come and rulers go, but the ruler will forever be on his throne. Century after century after century, King Jesus has been on his throne. This does not surprise him. This does not shake him. He's the Lord of the universe. And we can have this deep confidence in God's sovereignty as we come into next week, knowing this is our reality. We have a king.
who rules over all. Secondly, our unity is not in a political party. Our unity is not in a political party. We are not a people of the donkey or people of the elephant. We are a people of the lamb. We worship the lamb who was slain. That's what unifies us, church. We are people who worship the lamb, a bloody lamb who died for us and was raised to new life and who now rules and reigns forever on his throne. That's reason to be grateful. That's reason for us to be filled with gratitude. Because in the end, no matter what happens, our king wins. He wins. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that your son, Lord Jesus Christ, reigns and rules over all. We thank you that in this tumultuous season, we can look to the reality that you and your throne will never be moved. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. His kingdom rules over all. I pray that that truth would become our reality in these coming weeks, that we would cling to and know that you reign over all. And now as we come into this time of communion, I pray that our hearts would be reminded that we worship a humble lamb one who was slain on our behalf, one who died in our place, and now rules and reigns as the risen king with all authority in heaven. And so humble us now as we prepare our hearts for this supper. In Jesus' name, amen.